Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Hello, I'm Maddie Davis, and my guest today is Daniel Elkin. Daniel, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for being my very first guest on The Sages Among Us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Maddie. Wonderful. So glad you're here. Now, before we jump in, I'd love to share a little bit about your background with the audience before we talk all about you and your role in the community. So, Daniel Elkin was born in New Jersey, raised in Dallas, Texas, and educated in upstate New York. He's lived in the Nevada County area for the past 25 years. He spent 20 years in education as a high school English teacher at both Bear River High School and Bitney Prep Charter High School. He's now the Communications and Engagement Director at Circle, the South Yuba River Citizens League, owner and marketing director of Elkin Education Marketing, and president of Field Mouse Press, where he also acts as publisher and editor-in-chief of Solrad, the online literary magazine for comics. Wow, my goodness. That's exhausting just hearing it. You're prolific. (laughs) So Daniel, before we jump into our questions, I think that I should disclose to our audience that I know you rather well outside of this space. In fact, I see you nearly every day of the week since you're my supervisor at Circle. So I'm so honored to be speaking with you today and learning more about your personal and professional life as well as your motivation to contribute to our community. So let's jump in. Let's learn more about you and your background. Uh, As mentioned in your bio, you have some significant life experiences in the South and East of the U.S. So I'm curious, what are some of the ways that those places impacted you while growing up? Well, I I spent the first few years of my life in New Jersey, surrounded by my family, extended family. And it was all rather, at least in my memory, special and bucolic. And then when I was seven, my father got a job in Dallas, Texas, and myself and my mother and my dad were whisked away all the way to Dallas, Texas, this totally alien and foreign land that was, for all intents and purposes, completely outside of our wheelhouse. We had no idea what to expect there, Um, especially because it was, you know, the early 80s. And (laughs) in Texas in the early 80s was an interesting time. Uh, Anyway, uh, we were lucky to find a relatively robust Jewish community to integrate into there. And the day-to-day, although it was a little fraught, was at least a little bit more bearable. And then I was lucky enough to have found a tight-knit group of chuckleheads to call friends, Mm. uh, almost all of whom I'm still close with today. And that, of course, helped a lot. You know, I joke and I say that the thing I learned growing up in Dallas was that I really wanted to get out of Dallas. And, you know, that's true to a great extent. But really, the lesson is that no matter how antithetical an environment is to your belief system, if you find community, create a family, you'll be okay for the most part. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I'm really curious, too. I I know you talk a little bit about your friend group there, but um, what else interested you in your childhood? And and how do those interests align with your interests today? And is that where your love of comics began? Well, I will admit to being a pretty big comic book nerd growing up. Uh, I was a big fan of all that escapist stuff, uh, which I think is pretty understandable given the fact that I was growing up in Dallas. <laughs> uh, anyway, once I discovered music and got a driver's license and started hanging out with my friends more, most of that escapist stuff kind of uh, fell out of my life. And then a 
because of the people I was hanging around with, we were all rather creative people. And so I started to really get an interest in uh, literature and fine art and really started to focus more of my attention on that sort of stuff and left sort of that pop culture stuff behind a little bit. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Okay. Thank you. I'm curious to you talk a little bit about um, going to school in upstate New York. So what school did you attend and and what were some kind of memorable experiences there? (laughs) Um, I went to a a small liberal arts school up in Saratoga Springs, New York called Skidmore College. Um, It was a great experience there. I really, you know, because it was a small college, I really felt seen and heard and really got to participate in a lot of stuff. One of the great things about Saratoga Springs also is they have a horse track there that's only open in August. And so I would stay up during the summers and work painting houses in uh, June and July. And then come August, I would quit my job and go uh kind of work at the horse track, as it were, and usually ended up making a lot more money at the horse track than I did painting houses. Oh, my goodness. What fun uh, extracurriculars, I guess (laughs) you could say. How cool. And um, was that your, did you continue doing that after college? And what was your first role after graduating? Well, you know, I left Saratoga and there were no more horse tracks. So, (laughs) uh, but well, I mean, they're still around, I guess, all over the place. Uh, But uh, anyway, while I was in college, um, I I ended up being a lit a lit major uh, with an emphasis on creative writing it was sort of a circuitous route to get there but that's where I ended up and somehow while I was there the faculty convinced me that I was a poet and that being a poet was going to be my career and I thought wow that sounds great what a great idea uh, well, needless to say trying to pursue being a poet in the early 90s was not what I would call smart career planning mm. um, <laughs> anyway in order to have uh, some sort of income I did the typical poet stuff you know worked in bars and worked in retail and that kind of thing anyway eventually i ended up in minneapolis which is a whole nother story Mm. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was operating a real estate advertising business and i was tired of working in bars and retail and he said do you want to come work with me and i said okay (laughs) and so that's how i started started ending up in this sort of marketing and advertising space that I'm in now. Wow. What a fun path. You you must have um, just have so many fun stories throughout all of those different places. So it's it's cool to hear about your poet days. I, <laughs> I, I like to picture you uh, reading at open mics and, you know, oh, yeah. maybe maybe sitting alone, writing a writing a verse here or there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Any other like key lessons or things that stand out to you from your early jobs? Well, I mean, most of those early jobs are not what I would call career track jobs. Um, but but, um, and, you know, certainly being a poet's not a career. Um, well, it might be for some, but it wasn't for me. Um, I think the key lessons I learned from those early sort of jobs, though, is that regardless of what it is that you're doing for work, if you show up, you take the job seriously, you find some joy in the occupation, you be kind to people, you're going to make it through your day and people are going to notice. Oh, Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> so insightful. Um, well, I know you spoke a little bit about uh, creative writing, majoring in that in college was part of maybe what led you to teaching English ultimately. But was there anything else that inspired that choice to become a teacher? Well, growing up 
my uh, there's there are educators in my family and they all always said to me you should be a teacher and of course when you hear that from somebody in your family you always go yeah, right i'm not gonna do that but um anyway so i was at the real estate advertising job in minneapolis and um lo and behold i became a father um, not that those two things are intertwined, but that's what happened. Uh, a few weeks after my child was born, I realized that I kind of had to grow up and start taking care of things on a larger scale than just the day-to-day stuff. So I was thinking about, well, what could I do? What could I do that would be a career that would also have some sort of meaning and some sort of impact in the world? And so I thought back on all the folks that I had known throughout my life, especially the ones that had made an impression on me. And one of the figures I came back to over and over again was my sophomore high school English teacher, Mr. Williams. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Williams was a very Southern, tall, lanky guy, totally unassuming, but was, I don't know why he was teaching high school, because he was one of those people that could be, you know, at, at some very prestigious university. Um, but he was there in Dallas, Texas, teaching high school. And I sort of walked into his class at the beginning of the year with a sense of who I was and what I wanted out of the world. And uh, by the end of his uh, being in his class, that was all completely changed. Uh, He opened my eyes to a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of appreciating the world. And so I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to be somebody like Mr. Williams? And so I looked into becoming a teacher and lo and behold, 20 years of it, I did it. Oh my goodness, what an incredible inspiration. He, that, um, he just sounds like yeah, he's just an amazing guy. such an amazing person. And I, I know that I've met many of the students actually who um, were taught by you throughout the time <laughs> no. that you and I have worked together. And so many of them, it just seemed like they had the same feeling with you. So I think you, you can say you've succeeded oh, that's good quite a bit in your, in your teaching career. Um, well, thank you so much, Daniel. I'm, I know as you mentioned that you, you became a parent and I'm curious, how has being a father impacted your life and what, in your opinion, is the coolest thing about having a kid? Um, wow. So the coolest thing about being a parent is you get to stay hip and in the know as to what's happening in pop culture longer than you would otherwise. Mm. It's hands down <laughs> the, the, the coolest thing. Uh, also, I think the best thing about being a, uh, becoming a parent is that it forces you to grow up. And that's really a, ultimately a pretty good thing. Ah, mm. oh, Wonderful. Well, here you are growing up, right? Yeah, still doing it. <laughs> well, if you're still joining, if you're just now joining us, this is The Sages Among Us. I'm Maddie Davis, and my guest today is Daniel Elkin, a Nevada County resident for the past 25 years, with 20 years of experience as a high school English teacher at both Bear River High School and Bitney Prep Charter High School. He's now Communications and Engagement Director at Circle, the South Yuba River Citizens League, owner and marketing director of Elkin Education Marketing, and president of Field Mouse Press, where he's also acting as publisher and editor-in-chief of Solrad, the online literary magazine for comics. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Daniel, let's talk a little bit about your current positions. I'm curious, um, like, you know, what brought you to Nevada County? And, um, yeah, let's let's go from there. What brought you to Nevada County? Uh, well, it was certainly nothing planned. Uh, like I said, when I was in Minneapolis, I became a father, and my child's mother is originally from this area. And so shortly, I mean, within months after my child was born, um, she said, uh, I'm not raising this child in Minneapolis. I want to go home. And I said, "Okay." 
<laughs> and so, yeah, 25 years later. Can you blame her? The harsh winters oh, in yeah. Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, out of all the cities I've lived in, Minneapolis is still my favorite. Um, but yeah, it takes a certain breed of uh, person to make it through those winters. That's for sure. Wow. Fascinating. Well, speaking of fascination, I've always been really fascinated and impressed by your ability to maintain other professions and passions outside of your full-time job at Circle. And, you know, as the audience has heard, you you do so much. So just to share a little bit more about your background, I would love for everyone to know that Field Mouse Press is a nonprofit comics and literature publisher based in Grass Valley. Founded in 2019, Field Mouse Press is committed to expanding the reach and appreciation of the comic arts. At Field Mouse, you are passionate about comics and your goal is to advance the medium through the publication of new and underrepresented voices. You believe that comics should be a place for every story and every person. So I'd love to hear more about um, what inspired you to begin Field Mouse Press. (laughs) Well, that's also a bit of a long story, so I'll try and be as succinct as I can. Um, So after my child was born, I was trying to find things that we could do together. And so I remembered when I was a kid, I used to love comics a lot. So I went out and bought a bunch of comics that we could read together. And uh, unfortunately, I quickly discovered how much the superhero narrative at that time was pretty toxic and misogynistic and simple to the point of being repetitively stupid. And so um, I cast around for a little while uh, still trying to stay within the the media of comics, and I discovered that there's this enormous treasure trove of underground and self-published and small press comics that are just amazing. They sort of hover in that liminal space between literature and fine art, which just sent all the synapses in my brain firing, mm. and I just got totally hooked on those things. And so, so much so that I just wanted to start sharing these amazing books because so many people didn't know they existed. And so I started writing about them, um, doing critical reviews of them, uh, first on my own, and then I started to join um, other larger comics journalism sites. And, and through that, I met a bunch of other comics critics, and then I met a bunch of cartoonists. And you know, it all just sort of became like this new family again. Um, and then one day, um, right before uh, COVID hit, I was talking with some of my other comic critic friends, and I said, hey, why don't we pull a Voltron and sort of join forces together and start our <laughs> own thing? And um, and so they were all amiable to it. And initially, it was just, we were going to just do the magazine, Soul Red. Um, and then as that kind of got going... All of a sudden, uh, one of the guys that I'm I'm with uh, said, "Hey, why don't we start publishing books also?" And I said, "Okay." <laughs> and so, uh, 15 books later, I guess you could say that we're kind of a publishing company. Like, oh yeah, I think yeah. I think that might count. Yeah, that's so incredible. What a cool story, and how what a real inspiration that comes from. And um, just I love hearing you speak about that. Thank oh, you so much. Uh, so I'm curious a little to know a little bit more about how nonprofit publishing works. And I know that uh, you've talked a little bit over the past couple years about crowdfunding some of your campaigns. And I'm curious um, how that process differs from for-profit publishing. Uh, okay, well, so first, let us be perfectly clear that there's no money in publishing, especially uh, no money in comics publishing. So the concept of a for-profit comics publisher is kind of a misnomer. But, but besides that, uh, so being a nonprofit means that uh, we get to take... I guess you could say a lot more risks than um, a for-profit 
publisher would take. Uh, you know, while the bottom line is important for us to keep our lights on and things, um, it's not our sole source of income. Uh, we do crowdfunding and we also apply for grants. And uh, as a nonprofit, we're able to to do things in that realm a little differently than a for-profit one. Mm. Um, so, you know, we, we publish things that we're super passionate about that we are not necessarily sure are going to, you know, be on the bestseller list, but of course, everyone should be reading them all the same. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Um, well, I, I w- would love to keep hearing more about all the authors that you work with and, and your favorite kind of p- uh, projects that you've published over the last several years, um, but maybe we can find time for that later. I would love to highlight Solrad a little bit more, too, uh, your nonprofit online literary magazine, uh, which you began in 2020. And as you said, one of the foundation foundational principles of Solrad is that comics are art and that as such, the medium deserves the same access to venues, discourse, and educational opportunities as any other art form. And I'm particularly intrigued by how you describe the motivation of the magazine as Solrad as a transparent, mission-driven literary journal that acts as a platform for the diversity of creators and critical voices that makes the comics community so rich. So um, throughout the last four years of the magazine's operation, what are some of the standout moments and lessons that you've learned while being its editor? Um, I guess the biggest lesson I've learned is that writing honest criticism is hard. Uh, It's work. It really is. Uh, Very few people actually do it well. Um, You know, plot recap is not a review. Mm -hmm. It's a plot recap. Uh, Criticism is really applying a lot more thought about how a piece works or doesn't work. Um, So, you know, understanding the role of a critic and bringing that understanding to their writing uh, sort of, um, it, it requires intellect and courage. Uh, for a real critic to do real good work. Mm. And so my role as an editor is to sort of help the writer take their ideas around themes and the effectiveness of a work of art and put them in a form that communicates those ideas clearly. And I try to empower the writer to go further um, and not be lazy or ham-fisted. I often say to my writers, uh, that's great, but, Mm. or and what else? Mm-hmm. And are you sure? And how does this connect with the other things you're saying? So it, it's been it's been great uh, working with other critics a lot. It's really helped inform how I think about art a lot, and um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of unfortunate where you just have to say to somebody, mm, "Yeah, sorry, no, mm. it's just not working." Mm-hmm. Um, but Usually, I mean, the people that that uh, send us their work have read our magazine, kind of know what our standards are. Mm-hmm. So we don't get a whole lot of um, bad pitches. Uh, it's just sometimes we have to really work with a writer to really develop what they're thinking mm. into a way that, that communicates to somebody else. Oh, intriguing. Okay. This bravery that you uh, express that you're encouraging your writers to take on, it seems like you must have to have quite a bit of that, too, when you're giving these critiques. And does that feel natural to you? No, (laughs) No, I I, uh, am conflict avoidant, usually. Uh, So... uh, but this is, you know, this is important to me, and I, and I, I feel that I'm doing somebody a disservice by letting them just 
um, get away with something. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's empowering, and uh, and much like teaching, it's it, you get to those points every once in a while working with a writer where they say to you, "Thanks, I, I didn't realize I was going to get to where I was going to get uh, without your help," and so I really appreciate that, and that's super rewarding. Oh, fantastic. Well, great. And I'm curious, how can folks learn more about Fieldmouse Press and about Solrad? Well, it's the internet, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Fieldmouse Press, so Fieldmouse Press publishes Solrad, the magazine, So, Field, but it also publishes our books. So, Fieldmouse Press is online at fieldmouse.press. Pretty easy to remember. And then the magazine, Solrad, is at solrad.co, not com, but co, which I just recently learned was actually in Colombia. Oh. <laughs> so anyway. But anyway um, and right now, actually, we're, we are accepting uh, submissions for books right now. Uh, we've, been, we've had open submission all of January. And so that closes on uh, the end of January on the 31st. And we've already gotten... <laughs> About 200 submissions to go through. Wow. Um, but we're still looking for new stuff. And then uh, we're also going to be kickstarting our next book um, starting next week. Uh, it's a book called Gollum Pit. 224. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful book. Oh, that sounds, sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and just so that everyone knows exactly how to find Soul Rad, how do you spell that? Oh, it's S-O-L-R-A-D. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. And if you're just joining us this evening, I'm Maddie Davis, and my guest today is Daniel Elkin, a Nevada County resident for the past 25 years with 20 years of experience as a high school English teacher at both Bear River High School and Bitney Prep Charter High School. He's now the Communications and Engagement Director at Circle, the South Yuba River Citizens League, owner and marketer director of Elkin Education Marketing, and president of Field Mouse Press, where he also acts as publisher and editor-in-chief of Solrad, the online literary magazine magazine for comics so it's still exhausting it's incredible <laughs> it's it's you really are pro, prolific so um daniel i'd love to hear a little bit more about um your work at circle and and the other things that you do in life so since 2022 you've also been circles communications and engagement director what drew you to the role and what have been your favorite things about working for circle uh, so my favorite thing about working in Circle, besides you know getting to work with you, of course, oh, has, <laughs> has been that it's it's an environment which I'm constantly learning new things. I mean, uh, when was I ever going to be writing articles about rotary screw traps and <laughs> any other aspect of my life? Um, so the, the job really tests my creativity in terms of how I present all this science stuff in ways uh, that folks with less of a science background, like myself, uh, can not only understand in general, but also understand how it impacts their lives directly. Um, I know we do important things at Circle. It's my job and it's my pleasure to, to help other people understand why it's important. And so mm. that really gives me a lot of joy. Oh, awesome. The why. Yeah. Love that. I'm curious, uh, is there anything else coming up at Circle in the near future that you'd maybe like to share with folks? Well, there's the Wild and Scenic Film Festival coming up in February, uh, February 15th to 19th. Uh, 
International Film Festival of Environmental Films. And then we're uh, Circle Does a Quiz Night uh, that, to raise money for our Environmentalist of the Year Scholarship Fund. And that's going to be happening mid-March. Awesome. Okay. Sounds like we have some fun events. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm uh, curious to hear a little bit more. You have all of these projects and, and so much happening. Is there one thing that uh, you just wish that you could do more of or that you just love the most professionally? Uh, well, you know, it always comes back to community for me. Uh, I, I feel that Circle plays a pretty important role in Nevada County and the greater watershed. And being part of that is extremely rewarding. You know, meeting all sorts of new, fascinating people who are interested in making the world just a little bit of a better place. And that's pretty great. Oh, love that. So curious to uh, to look ahead. What's something that you think that you would like to accomplish in the area of civic engagement or any other aspect of your life? Well, besides having a Fieldhouse Press book get on the bestseller list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would like to be, yeah, I'd like to be more involved in the community, really. I, I'd like to be part of more ag- activities. I'd like to join some more organizations. Certainly like to support the arts better around here. Uh, you know, those sorts of things. Awesome. I know that you're on the um, Nevada County Arts Council, uh, or you, you have participated in some meetings yeah. in the past. Yeah. Um, and they've been very supportive of Fieldhouse Press. Too. Oh, awesome. I'm so glad that we have that network to help connect artists and and professional folks who are advancing the arts in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything in particular that you value the most about our community and what makes you want to continue to live here? Uh, One thing I guess the value the most is it's not Texas. (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) I mean, this is a great community. It's, It's full of fascinating, passionate, wonderful people. You know, for having that small town sort of feel, there's an amazing amount of opportunities for people to go out get involved, get inspired, and be part of something. It's really an amazing place to live, and I love it. I'm glad that you love it, and I do too. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, we have a time for a couple more questions here, so I'd love to hear, are there any specific individuals or organizations that you'd care to name who you feel really contribute to making this community work well? Uh, well, certainly Circle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, also, the Nevada County, County Arts Council, they have just been amazing. Um, I really, uh, I'm impressed with Bright Futures for Youth and NEO. I think that they do amazing work over there. Uh, shout out to my old school, Bitney College Prep. Uh, their internship program is is an uh, amazing opportunity for young people in our uh, community. And also, I mean, since I've been working at Circle, I've really gotten involved more with uh, local politics. And I am so impressed with our local elected officials and their staff and the work that they do. It is amazing. Awesome. I'd love to hear, have you um, kind of just been following uh, the local elections or are there other ways that you've been getting involved politically? Oh, I'm certainly going to a lot of uh, council meetings, uh, listening in, and just doing a lot of reading as well. Um, Yeah. There's a lot going on around here. Yeah, staying informed almost feels like a full-time job it, it at sure times. It does. <laughs> um, well, going back to our arts and, and the um, scene that we have in our community, we have music, theater, fine arts. What would you view as the importance of arts to community health? I think it's paramount. I, I think it's a means of giving people a platform for expression. It's also an avenue of 
for people to understand new perspectives as well. I think arts are, especially here, are an enormous economic driver to the area uh, and a reliable one, more so than uh, just your general tourism and things like that. Um, yeah, I think the, that a healthy community needs a healthy arts community. Absolutely. I am in full agreement with you there, definitely. Um, I'm curious, uh, other things that you think make a healthy community, and um, do you think we have the right number and type of social services right now in our community? Is there anything that you feel is missing? I know it's a big question, but <laughs> I'm curious about your thoughts there. Well, I'm, I'm certainly, a, I, uh, from experience, know that we need more affordable housing around here, and uh, maybe a stronger safety, social safety net would be nice. Of course, b better public transportation. I'd be in favor of that as well. <laughs> um, one thing that I think that uh, people don't take ad enough advantage of is uh, all the stuff that happens at the library. Hmm. Uh, there are amazing things going on there all the time. I was just over there the other day and just looking at all the things you can check out. You can check out tools. You oh. can check out Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. It's just bonkers over there what you can do. That's just incredible. Um, well, Daniel, it's been such an honor and pleasure to have you on the, the show this evening. Thank you so much for joining and are there any last words you'd like to share? Uh, buy some Field Mouse Press books, please. Woohoo! Buy Field Mouse Press. This has been The Sages Among Us. I'm Maddie Davis, and I'd like to send a big thanks out to my guest today, Daniel Elkin. 